0: Open your Bibles this morning to the book of Daniel, chapter number 1. Daniel, chapter number 1. I'm about 90% sure that uh, Wednesday night I'm going to begin a series of messages going through the book of Daniel. And when I say that, I mean we'll basically be going through it verse by verse and covering a lot of different subjects as it does, but this morning uh, I have something entirely different in mind, although we're uh, looking at the book of Daniel, there's one verse in particular that we'll get to in a little while that I want to set our thoughts on today. Daniel chapter 1, we begin reading in verse number 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into his hand with part of of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried to the land of Sinai to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Aspenah, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-flavored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. That is, the king of Babylon, remember? After preaching a message entitled, Bloom, Where You're Planted?, uh, from Jeremiah chapter number 29 last week, I haven't been able to stop thinking about that, and it bothered me because I realized that um, a lot of folks are in extremely difficult situations, and, and I'm very much aware of the fact that for some people it seems impossible to bloom where you're planted, you know, to, to prosper where you are in life. You know, it's easy for me to say, you know, you just need to make the best out of a bad situation, but it's another thing to do it. And by the way, it's another thing for me to do it, just like it is you or anybody else. So, to encourage you, I want to give you an example here this morning. And uh, this example comes from a man who was actually living in Babylon at that time. And, of course, you figured out his name is Daniel. Jeremiah chapter 29 was written about 599 B.C., and the book of Daniel covers the years of 607 to about 534 B.C. That's a 73-year period there. And so we see here that Daniel gives us proof, evidence, that it's possible to bloom where you're planted. Daniel did that. He was faithful in a foreign land, in a place that was not his home. I mean, he has totally lost everything so far, you know, his material things, his family, his friends, it's all gone. And usually when we think about Daniel, automatically our mind goes to the lion's den and we think about that. Or we think it's some, you know, interesting history or it's some exciting prophecy and it is later on in the book. But it's much more than that because in reading the book of Daniel, in the light of the times that we live in, it's easy to draw a parallel because it's showing us that we're able to survive, we're able to to even thrive regardless of what the circumstances are. The toughest of times. And the reason is because his God is our God and he hasn't changed whatsoever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. And that's the fact that you see all through the book of Daniel. In fact, it is the theme of Daniel. God is in control. God is in control. So, we look at this book and so many times we think about the goodness of Daniel. We what a great man he was. And indeed, he was a great man. But that's not where the emphasis is. The emphasis is not upon the goodness of Daniel, but rather upon the greatness of Daniel's God. And... Uh, we see Him controlling the affairs of man. In other words, He is in charge. He's controlling every detail. Whether it's a nation, whether it's a family, a church, or individual, it's true that God controls the past, the present, and the future. And that's what we see here in this book. And we learn very quickly that God is not only all-powerful, but He's trustworthy. Amen. He's trustworthy. He's trustworthy. He's all-powerful. Remember here we see that it was God that gave the the children of Israel over to the Babylonians. You know, we look at that situation and think what a powerful army the Babylonians had. That had nothing to do with it whatsoever. I mean, a half a dozen men could have whipped that entire army had God so chosen. But God is the one that gave them over to the captivity of the Babylonians because of their sinfulness. Maybe you'll remember a statement I made last week and I said one of the things we need to learn is to respond rather than react. And sometimes that can be a difficult lesson to learn because if you punch me in the nose, automatically my reaction is to punch you in the nose. I mean, that's just human nature. That's We're, we're all like that, aren't we? And, and we have to learn to respond to the situation. And whenever we think about Daniel's dilemma, and I want you to do that, just think about the situation that he's in. You try to put yourself in his place. And, and we can see what he was up against. Here, the Jews have been defeated at the hands of the Babylonians. I'm not going to go into all of the details of that. We'll do that in our later study. But here Daniel and his friends are taken in the first of the deportations. There were actually three invasions involved in the whole story. But in that very first deportation of the Jews, you'll notice that they chose out the king so ordered that they choose out these choice young men that he was going to convert or trying to convert over and to use them... For his own purposes. Daniel was about 15 years old at this time. So put yourself in his shoes. And remember, as I said, it's easy to draw a parallel between what was going on then and what's going on today. Because believe it or not, we're all under attack. We're under attack 24 hours a day. There's never any let up in this warfare. It's constant and it will be until the day the Lord calls us home. Now, with all of that in mind, I want you to look at verse 8. And we're going to focus our attention on this one verse. I'm not even going to examine all of the details of this verse. I just want you to look at it and nail down our thoughts this morning. But Daniel, remember the situation now, remember the circumstances, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Most everybody here at some time or another, you've heard the little chorus, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone. I I guess they may be still sing that today in children's church, I don't know. Well, that's what exactly what I hope that you'll do this morning, that you will decide, that you'll dare to be a Daniel. And folks, we all have a choice to make. We all have to make decisions related to how we're going to live our life. And if I'm going to live the life that God intends for me, I have to dare to be different. If I don't dare to be different, I can't make a difference in anyone else's life. You have to choose that I'm going to be different. Not just for the sake of being different, but being different simply because you are following the Word of God. That will make you different. Amen? Amen. you automatically be different from the world and then you're able to make a difference in the world. Now, Daniel is here in this difficult situation. He's in a distant land at a distinct disadvantage, and he has to decide, what am I going to do? I can blend in with the crowd. I can do what everybody else is doing, or I can dare to stand alone. And the thing that jumps out at me is the fact that he lived as much like that He was at home as He possibly could. Bloom where you're planted. I mentioned last week, we talked about that. We talked about the fact that, you know, as the Lord taught us to pray, Our Father which art in heaven, you know, hallowed be thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here, this world. Thank you for that song. This is our temporary home down here. We're to live like we're home. Where's home? In heaven. We're to live as though we were there because we have an obligation to bring a little bit of heaven to earth wherever we are. And Daniel is in Babylon. And yet he is living just as closely as possible to the standards that he would live by had he been... At home Now, we could outline this in a lot of different ways and look at a lot of different things, but it's clear enough for everybody to understand that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And I hope this morning that each one of us will make an application of this to our lives. And if we're going to do as Daniel did, there's some things we need to remember. Number one, we need to think about the difficulties. The difficulties. Oh, that's the part we generally don't want to think about. Or we want to think about the difficulties purely in a negative sense. Like, you know, Jacob said, all of these things are against me. And sometimes we feel like the whole world is against us and so forth. Listen. God can even use our difficulties to make us what He wants us to be. Difficulties, believe it or not, are a necessary part of life. We could never become what God wants us to be without difficulties. They are essential to our spiritual development. They not only aid in our spiritual growth, but they prepare us for a future ministry, a ministry here and a ministry to come Amen. in the kingdom Amen. Think, think about our blessed lord and his suffering here upon the earth and automatically our mind goes to the cross automatically our mind thinks about the price that he paid for our salvation indeed we ought to rejoice in that but there's something else about that in going through that process of suffering, it qualified Him and prepared Him to become our great intercessor in heaven. And that's why the Bible says He was tempted in all points such as we are, and yet without sin. He knows what it's like to be in your shoes. He knows what it's like. Oh, you say, well, He never experienced what I did. He experienced everything and a thousand times more than anything you ever experienced. Remember, temptation comes and always comes in one of three areas. And he was tempted, as it were, to the max in every single area. And through that, the Bible talks about him learning obedience through his suffering. Well, he didn't have to learn anything. He was God in the flesh. So how does God in the flesh learn anything? He experienced what it was like being a man and therefore he could be sympathetic toward us i'm saying that difficulties are a part of the work that god works in us when he's preparing us for something else and the bible says when he comes again we're going to rule and reign with him i don't i don't know what god has prepared for you or or for me i have no idea but i know we're going to rule we're going to reign with Him, the Bible says. You know, all of us at times, we get frustrated because of the difficulties of life. One moment we're down in the valley, and the next minute, you know, we're, we're up on the mountaintop, and, and, and just a rocky, twisting, winding road and can become very difficult. But what we need to think about is, as somebody said many years ago, the bumps are the things that we climb on. And that's really true. That's the way we make spiritual progress is through the difficulties that we encountered. You can't become a Daniel without having gone through the difficulties such as he did. Not exactly the same. Everything, you know, is different for all of us. But he went through great difficulties and that played a part in making him the man that he was. There were difficulties. Secondly we need to think about the fact that there was desire. Notice what he said. He purposed in his heart. In other words, his mind was made up. What's that old song that says? My mind's made up and my feet's on the rock and something like that. Uh, I shouldn't do that. I I remember too many old songs. I, I wish I could blot some of them out. Maybe I better not say that. <laughs> I'm getting absent-minded enough without making a remark like that. But my mind's made up and my feet's on the rock, you know. That's the that's the mindset that we need. He says here, knows he purposed in his heart. He had a desire to please God. And look, if we don't have that kind of a desire, we'll never amount to anything for God. If we don't have that kind of a desire our life is going to end in failure regardless of what else we might accomplish. It doesn't make any difference. Whenever they go to bury you, they can chisel one word that tells your life story on your tombstone, and that's failure. Because all of us have the responsibility of pleasing God. That ought to be our main mission. He purposed in His heart, noticed that He would not defile Himself. Now, certainly he could have indulged. He had privileges. Remember, he is in Babylon, but they're grooming him, preparing him to be used there by the king. So he had privileges that other people did not have. Many of the people were just, you know, captives. They were subjected perhaps to hard slavery. I don't know what the details of their life might have been, but I know that these were a select few, these young men that the king wanted. So he could have indulged himself in these pleasures, and instead of that, he denied himself. Does that remind you of anyone? It reminds me of Moses who chose to suffer affliction with God's people. Amen? Oh, he could, have, he could have prospered greatly, but he chose to suffer affliction. And Daniel is willing to deny himself. One of the most important lessons for anybody to learn, and they need to learn it as soon as possible, and every parent needs to think about it every day, we need to, we need to teach our children to learn to say no. No, there's so many people. You know, the devil leads them around like they got a ring in their nose. And, and by the way, the unsaved, the unsaved are taken captive by him at his will. They can't break free. You know, we look at the alcoholic and the drug addict and all of these people out there in sin. And so many times we scream and yell and rant and rave about how sinful they are. And the fact of the matter is they're in that position for one reason and one reason only, and that's because they've never received Christ as their Savior. But the moment you trust Christ as your Savior, you no longer have an excuse for failure. Amen? Amen. Why? Because the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And God has promised to make us victorious through the Lord Jesus Christ. And in fact, he says, we are more than conquerors. So you have the power to resist and to amount to anything. For God, we've got to be willing to deny ourselves. Think about, think about Adam and Eve, for example. And they said yes instead of no. They said yes instead of no. And here we are still reaping the results, suffering... You know, the consequences of what they did way back then. Jesus said, you know, if a man's going to be my disciple, he's got to forsake all that he hath. That's a, listen, that's a tall order. To be willing to deny ourselves of whatever. doesn't make any difference what it might be. Anything that's going to get between us and our purpose in life, which summed up is this. To glorify God through obedience to His Word. That's why we exist, folks. If we're not doing that, we are failing at life. And we can't do that unless we deny ourself. So many times we look at somebody or we listen to someone and what they say, and we applaud them for what they stand for. But let me tell you, you can tell what a person stands for by what they stand against. We get cowardly before the world. We don't want to let them know what side we're on. We want to pretend like we're not against anything. That tells right there exactly what you're standing for. And it's not the Lord. He said, you're either for me or you are against me. So you can't say yes to God and at the same time say yes to the world. It's impossible. Daniel says, I'm willing to deny myself. Why why could he do that? How how could he do that? Well, he believed God was in control. Amen? He knew knew that God was all-powerful and that God had their best interests at heart, that God was doing this for a good reason, and that some way or another, unknown to him, that God was going to work all of this out. So he was willing to deny himself, and through this, through his example, notice that he displayed determination. It's one thing; it's one thing to have a desire and to say, you know, well, I know this is what I ought to do, and so I'm going to make a choice to do it. It's one thing to do that. It's another thing to have that that bulldog tenacity that that. That determination that says, you know, I I am not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trusting God. Whenever the sky is dark and the sea is rough and the road is winding and everything else is against me, I am not going to give up. And let me tell you, regardless of how strong you think you are, there are sometimes things that are going to happen that will push you to your limit and beyond your limits. In other words, there are troubles that you cannot avoid. Regardless of how hard you try, they're going to happen. There are trials that you can't control. Temptations that you on your own cannot resist. There's tribulation that you could never endure without the help of God. And for Daniel, that moment that they deport him from his homeland... As they as they rip him apart from his family and friends and take him into this strange country as a 15-year-old kid, it must have seemed like, at least momentarily, that my world has fallen apart. Now remember, the prophets had already said they're going to be there 70 years. That, that's like a life sentence. What? I mean, I'm being deported to Babylon and... The next 70 years, there's no hope, no chance of getting out of that. And yet, he never allowed his circumstances to dictate what his conduct would be. He's determined that I'm going to do the will of God regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the cost, regardless of the consequences. And as a result of that, he discovered that there were great treasures to be gained as a result of that. Well, we look on over in the book and we see how God prospered him and how God used him. And it is so amazing that what God did in his life. And that, look, that was a treasure because he was there not by choice. He was there not on a personal mission even. He didn't go there with the intent that I'm going to Babylon. I'm going to straighten them out. You know, I'm going going to show them the right way. No, no. God is the one that's working all of this. God put Him there whether He wanted to go or not. And it was God who prospered Him. He, He did not at any time remember. He is posing now a threat to the king when He says, you know... I've purposed in my heart that I'll not defile myself with the king's meat. He's willing to take a stand as a 15 year old boy rather than to cave into the peer pressure or anything else. And he's willing to take a stand and be determined that I didn't do anything to get here. God allowed it to happen, and, and I'm going to live just like I was back home. I'm going, boy, listen, he must have been well trained. Amen. Mom and dad must have done a good job because he learned his lesson. That if the Christian life is worth living one place, we ought to live it every place where we are. So when we look at this book, folks. The Book of Daniel is not just about rulers and prophets and kings and nations it 's a book about individuals also see everybody 's Babylon is different. I remember preaching years ago a message about the hanging gardens in babylon and and uh, we 'll get to that some other time but Boy, to think about all of the glory of ancient Babylon, one of the wonders of the world, and you think about, here is Daniel. Now, in that situation, and he has the opportunity, if you want to think of that as an opportunity, to conform to the wishes of the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. He can conform and he can prosper in that way or he can just trust God to do with him whatever he chooses to do you see so none of us will ever be in a in a Babylon like that there are some of you that have been in a Babylon of an entirely different sort a Babylon of addiction a Babylon of domestic strife, a Babylon of abuse that you suffered of some kind. But we all have our Babylons, those places that we would never choose to go ourselves. Those places that we don't want to be in. Those places that have the potential to literally destroy us and rob us of all of our joy and all of our peace. Those things that are entirely against us. But you're there. You didn't want to go, but you're there. You're in Babylon, and you've got to make a choice how you're going to live. You can choose whether you're going to bloom where you're planted, or you can, you can go on resenting the situation as it is and ruining the rest of your life. But you're going to make a decision this morning. Now, maybe you think, well, I have no intention of making any decision today. You just made one. You're either going to decide to do as Daniel did, who purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And you'll either make that purpose, that determination in your heart, or you'll walk out of here with the idea, I'm going to continue living just as I please. And you'll be making the biggest mistake of your life. You know, we look, we can't control the difficulties that that we find ourselves in we we can't change those situations all we can control is ourselves and let me tell you we have good reason to be determined we have good reason to be even hopeful and we have good reason to not give up because sometimes you know if we're not careful we find ourselves the pain is so great and the problems are so many that we just want to throw in the towel, we just want to give up, but we have good reason to keep going, and that's because God's promises are exceeding great and precious, and He cannot lie. My favorite, my favorite missionary story is uh, "To the Golden Shore" by Adairime Judson. Adairime Judson, and boy, what a, what a tremendous story that is to think about what all he had gone through. And he was in a Burmese prison. And while he was there, the guards mocked him, they taunted him, and repeatedly over and over again, they would come by and say to him, how does your future look to you now? How does your future look to you now? And his answer was always the same. He said, my future is as bright as the promises of God. And folks, I'm telling you, that same thing is true of you. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what Babylon you're in today, there is hope and there's a promise for every single situation. And just as God told Paul, my grace, my grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for you, God will keep every promise that He's ever made. You can trust Him. He's the one that has all power. And you think, you know, that, that maybe God has forsaken you, that God has forgotten about you. You're so tired and weary of being in your Babylon. Look, trust God. You can't always trace God's hand. In other words, you can't always see God in the situations that you're going through. You don't understand it. You can't comprehend it. And you ask over and over again, why? Why me? Why this? Why now? This just all seems so unfair. But whenever you can't trace His hand, you can always trust His heart because He never does the wrong thing. Would you hear this morning, purpose in your heart, that I will not defile myself, but rather I'll live by the same standard that God would have us to live even there in heaven." And you bring a little bit of heaven to somebody's life. They need that. That's their. That, that's one of their biggest chances for to ever be saved is to see you putting Christianity in shoe leather, living it out day by day, and so many times that's more powerful than uh, than a sermon preached from a pulpit because they're watching you every day in those tough times of your life, those times that where you wish everything was different, but it's not. And the only thing you can do is respond instead of reacting to it. Respond by putting your trust in God because you can trust Him. Would you this morning as we stand... Father in heaven, how we thank You, Lord, for having proven Yourself not only powerful, but proven Yourself trustworthy time and time again. And Lord, we're just so thrilled at the thought that You have invited us to put our trust in You Lord, if we just prayed this morning if there's a person here that's never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they might do so today. And Lord, if there's someone here that is so discouraged, they feel defeated and depressed, it seems like everything is against them, and it even seems impossible to live like they know they should. God, this morning, may they purpose determine in their heart that they'll not defile themselves, but rather... That they'll trust you to not only just bring them through it so they can survive, but actually that they can thrive in that situation and come out on the other side of the storm a better person than they've ever been before. For we beg it in Jesus' name, Amen. As we stand in